Hello and welcome to the Change in Education podcast. As the UK's largest education business partnership, the Change in Education group delivers the best in-class work experience and careers management services. Why not find out more? Check out our website, changingeducation.co.uk and send us an email, info at changingeducation.co.uk. In this week's episode, we're joined by Charles Booth, apprenticeship expert, to bust apprenticeship myths. Hello and welcome to the Changing Education podcast. Yes, it's that time of the week again. My name's Amos Madra. I'm joined by company directors Matthew Hodgkinson and Stephen Hackney. And this week, our guest is Charles Booth, who's a virtual digital marketing coach. Uh, Charles didn't do too well in school, so he took the apprenticeship route. Now, a lot of times people tend to think that that's the alternative route, but Charles has a lot to say about that. And there's much to be said about the stigma that we have around apprenticeships and the good that they offer. So Charles will be talking to us about that. He set himself up uh, after two years in business. Uh, it didn't go too well, but then he sold that business and then he went on to start a graphic design uh, business. And that, again, is gone on to do so many great things, including training people and being an ambassador for apprenticeships. Charles, it's great to have you here today. I don't think I did that any justice. I think you could, yeah, you know, just, you, <laughs> I think you could, you could, you could tell us a bit more in a better way what you've done. And of course, you know, your views on apprenticeships as well. Thanks for joining us. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like a, my, uh, I am still a little bit bitter about the whole school thing, but yeah, with my uh, apprenticeship, it was, I'm going to say it's both the best and worst time of my life in a really strange way but my uh my 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 grand total of two gcses at school didn't really stand me uh very well i think because i was in a bit of a uh, funny situation at the time you know not really living at home with my parents and you know living in a hostel for a bit and what have you and uh, so it just didn't quite work out but the the apprenticeship thing it saved me do you know what i mean and it saved me really early on i got to um, I had a I had a youth worker. He took me to a couple of job interviews with this uh, company that did apprenticeships in printing and advertising. So before digital marketing was a real thing, we had to do it on paper. And I went to uh, at the this interview with this guy, um, and uh, he set me up with a couple of job placements. I did a bit of week, a couple of weeks of work experience here and there, and the company took me on. So I was sixteen in an apprenticeship. And at the time, I used to get loads of stick from my friends, particularly my friends who'd gone to university. You know, who are clever clogsies with a big brain and all this sort of stuff. Who'd lend money off me all the time or yeah trying to borrow money off me all the time ironically uh but they'd um yeah i had a uh, three and a half years learning to do printed advertising and stuff like that and you know some weeks it was like amazing other weeks you'd be um just traumatized like the machine would uh, there, there were days i wanted to headbutt the machine i'd be crying at the machine trying to make it work and uh, there was one day i was locked in a bin as well all sorts of other weird stuff but by the end of it like i'd gone from being a bit of um I don't know, like a a bit of a a, a rough-ish child, not like rough, like kind of like, you know, aggressive, but like just a, a bit thick and a bit kind of um, not ready for the world to all of a sudden having, you know, my backside kicked off a bit of work ethic. And, you know, it's lasted forever, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I finished the apprenticeship and, you know, kind of went into, you know, I started my own business for a little while, which, uh, yeah, as you say, um, I got out. I got out before it killed me. Do you know what I mean? I got out before it went out of business. So just in time. But after that, I got into uh, apprenticeship training, 
Uh, I've done some other stuff as well, but the apprenticeship training thing, that's been the real kind of, you know, the, 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 yeah, the, the best part of it, I think. Um, so trying to, you know, bring people up sort of through the same route I've been through, but often doing better than me in the end. And uh, over the last couple of years, I've been um, doing some call it like quality assurance. It's the worst word in it in the world for like for what I do. Basically, it's telling coaches that they do a good job and explain to them specifically why why it is or what it is that they've done that makes it a good job. And what's quite nice now is that you know the apprenticeship i think the mood around apprenticeships has changed when i did it was very much for the stupids and very much for the oh you didn't do well at school you must do this apprenticeship thing you know that thing that at the start of the pandemic when uh boris johnson said oh yeah so all these people are key workers you guys hold the planet up everybody else with your pretend job you can go on furlough because you contribute nothing oh, yeah, all those people who did apprenticeships back in my day they were all the key workers now you know the people like you know keeping the infrastructure running you know keeping like the lights switched on, keeping buildings, you know, homes being built, buildings being built, trains being built, all that sort of stuff, all that sort of thing that was kind of like dismissed. And I feel like now, as you know, the university's been kind of, you know, shown up for what it is, a bit of a money trap. And uh, as you know, the world's been shown up for what it is, and you know, work and happiness are being shown for what it is. I think people have given their apprenticeships a little bit more credit. For what they are and one thing i've noticed one thing i've noticed in, since the since the pandemic started people are choosing not to go to university to do an apprenticeship because the money in the apprenticeship is better than the lack of money they'll get when they come out of university let me give you one example this one puts the fear of god into me so you go to university you do something like a creative media degree or you know like a media production degree all those lovely things that, where people think all right i'm going to make documentaries and films i'm going to be on tv all that sort of stuff they go to university they come out of university and they can't get a job so they get occasional jobs as runners at the bbc and they'll get treated absolutely appallingly and they'll get like a bit of work here, a bit of work there, and they'll struggle and strive and they'll get nothing. That's what the degree's got for them. And yet you can go on to a junior content producer apprenticeship. And from day one, you're in full-time employment. You learn all these things. So it might be filming, it might be video editing, it might be you know advertising and stuff like that. But then you've got a job and you're in the industry and you've got people who go to do their degree who can't get a job in industry, who then come on to do this apprenticeship lower down you know, down the pecking order and all of a sudden realise, oh, actually, the money's pretty good in this. Uh, the need is pretty good in this and that the universe isn't as small as the university makes it seem it is. That makes sense. It's a, you know, the world's, I know, you, you, at school, you've only taught there's one route and there's one thing. I think people who don't go to university, I think the only other things they know about is motor mechanics because they've seen a car and hairdressers because once they got their hair done, they don't think there's actually a whole world of other vocations and opportunities out there that aren't available through university that aren't available through the academic route that we've been taught our whole lives um first yeah, part of my um, answer please no absolutely you know great points there um you know apprenticeships offer so much and the fact that you know you can do from intermediate level right through to degree level uh, it's not something to be you know looked down upon um, there's a lot of businesses seeking out students to go through the apprenticeship route and the opportunities are just endless at the moment you know uh stephen i'm going to bring you in uh good morning to you morning. Uh, charles sounds like the type of student that we continue trying to get we're, we're after you know the person who um school wasn't doing you know the, the, the right thing for but found a way through work experience and ultimately onto the apprenticeship yeah so um Apart from the social element of it, uh, my journey mirrors Charles's to the T, uh, two GCSEs in metalwork and woodwork. 
back in the early 90s. Uh, got to the summer holidays, got halfway through, and my dad went, what are you doing in September? And then you're like, it's summer holidays. Yeah, but then you've got nowhere to go to, son. School's finished. So obviously, I spoke before about, uh, it must have obviously, it was a careers advisor that was worried about me being neat, not in education or, education or training. So uh, I went down the apprenticeship route, engineering, hands-on engineering, fixing machines that made uh, pies, sausage rolls, Cornish pasties. That was my apprenticeship for three years. And yeah, it was, it, it's the thing that made me the person I am today. It, uh, I, I'm not going to say school did for me it didn't it was just a social environment i didn't see personally i didn't really come you know i didn't see the link between school getting ready for the world of work it was just a, a social environment that i went to so i could totally uh empathize with what Charles said about uh how important the apprenticeship route is and, and the positive impact it had on him because it, it had a positive impact on me and set the foundations for where I am today. And so I, you just triggered something in my mind, Charles. So when we look at, I don't, I, I'd have to research it because I don't like to critique something I don't truly understand. There must be a, uh, there must be a framework and obviously serious, seriously clever people have obviously researched this and, and the reason why we have what we have in education. If we say, if you look at GCSEs as the foundations for all career pathways, you think that actually works? Do you think they are the foundations for all career pathways? Because you really just said no. there, triggered it. Yeah, I know. You just triggered it to my head. It's like, actually, who comes up with the idea that, you know, the particular subjects are uh, an umbrella baseline for particular careers? And you, what you've just said there just triggered my head thinking, you know, why? Why are these subjects? Well, I'm sure there is. You know, if I did it, if I did my research properly, there'd be some somebody arguing against me or giving me a good reason why. But I don't know what you thought of that. What your thoughts are, John? Well, I reckon uh, I am sold on maths now. It's taken me 34 years to get there. Yeah, maths and English. So we just yeah. take maths and English as a given. We, we've got to have that. Yeah. yeah. If, if you love maths, you'll be rich. But I think that it, it does also show what maths is lacking. You think, you know, I, you know, I, I, I learn, I've, I've talked to my children about money, like they're seven and five. And uh, one of my favorite conversations, we talk about money, we talk about where things come from. And I wish that somebody talked to me about money when I was in school. And it's a bit of a weird personal thing, but you think maths, if you love maths, you'll be rich. And yet we don't talk about money. Um, like maths should be the foundation. Uh, after that, I ain't got a clue where you'd go. I mean, I learned about geography, but I didn't learn about kind of, you know, I didn't learn about how much it cost me to get from here to London. Should I take the train? Should I take the bus? I didn't talk to me about where I should buy my house, why I should avoid a, you know, like a, a, a floodplain if I was going to get home insurance. I didn't learn about stuff like that. But I learned about Oxbow Lakes, and I'm sure that'll come in handy one day. Oh, is, um, it, is this your, your, your Oxbow Lakes is my equivalent to uh, Longshore Drift and Tectonic yeah. Point? <laughs> Yeah, God, I'm having like flashbacks here. When, when me and the kids used to go to the seaside, and the kids would go, What are those things that run down the beach, daddy? And I'm like, That's to stop longshore drift, or all the sand will go to one end. It didn't help with my career, but uh, obviously helped me educate the kids on longshore drift. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, may, maybe that's important. Yeah, may, I'm hope, I hope someone's done the research because imagine if for all these years, for what the 200 years that the or you know the good 150 years that this Victorian school system's been in play, I wouldn't. It, it, it'd be really awkward to find out, you know, 150 years later that we have been, you know, 
dashing the money up the wall. On you reckon stuff you could have useless? You reckon you could have? Um, so for me, uh, if, there's going to be people listening to this that are older than me, and I actually think that I'm sure in the '60s and the '70s, I think the apprentice, my apprenticeship, I could have gone on that when I was 14 and started yeah. earlier. Uh, and I think that was the educational system back then, wasn't it? When they kind of fragmented it between academia and uh, vocational learning. I think I read somewhere as well that there's a, especially in the field that I was doing in engineering, when I say, when I say engineering, I'm not talking about somebody at a drafts board, because yeah. that's what people talk about. I'm talking about people who maintain machinery to make sure that they run and operate effectively. Uh, I'm sure there's a massive gulf in uh, engineers and that people now in their 70s and 80s have been asked to stay on because if they go they lose a trade um, yeah yeah i know uh, i know a guy who does this he's a he's a programmer he's an old school programmer from really early banking and um he's been retired for about 20 years and he still has to keep going back because certain banks particularly american banks are still using this old school like machine level programming language from old school machines and there's just nobody to take that on there's you know, digital environments huge skill shortage so you think and yeah i imagine like engineering architecture there's a reason you know why why do house prices cost as much why have building standards slipped and why you know why building regulations you know weaker than they've ever been probably because or possibly because the uh the quality of machinery the quality of, of, of material production can't be maintained the way that it used to be and people have to churn out you know what you can mass produce quickly really interesting you know matthew when you listen to that these skills still needed uh you know it just seems so basic but yeah the problems continue you know uh listening to charles's experience uh people still being brought into work when they should have retired 20 years ago you know, how do you make sense of it? Well, I mean, that happened all the way during the pandemic as well, didn't it? You know, people that had retired 10, 15 years ago were coming back in to, to administer vaccinations and to pop up the NHS. So it's uh, it's not just the, the engineering world for that's happening. I think it's throughout society, uh, which does, again, highlight a, uh, a skills gap, how potentially the misalignment between education and the real world. And that we're not gearing young people up for the uh, for the, the actual jobs, the jobs of tomorrow, or what's actually needed in uh, in society at the moment. I mean, why well, actually, Charles, you picked up on. Well, welcome, Charles. Great to have you here, mate. Uh, I, I was saying off off the uh, off the podcast off air. Uh, I'd listened intensively to your uh, your sector spotlight that you kindly provided us during lockdown. All those uh, those mini clips that we provided as part of our virtual work experience program. So I feel like I uh, I got the flavour. Of, the, uh -huh. of where you're coming from anyway uh so thank you for that uh you mentioned something similar to adam corbley last week i think adam coined the uh the phrase uh i learned about pythagoras at school but i've never used pythagoras in my uh in, in any career that i've had uh why didn't somebody teach me about uh interest rates uh ccjs how to apply yeah. for a credit card, how to how to not spend too much money on a credit card, you know, the real life skills that we need straight away, uh, debt avoidance, things like that. So, yeah. you know, very healthcare. Similar, I think every subject. Yeah, you just Absolutely, mentioned healthcare. Yeah. Like, we, if the pressure's on the NHS, and yet at the same time, I a marble got up my daughter's nose 
we went to the hospital, we waited in line, we took up all the lovely taxpayers' money for the nurse to say to my wife to just blow down her mouth and the ball will come out. Why couldn't mm. no one teach us that? Well, it's those, it's those simple skills. I think that, you know, we do talk about this and we talk about, you know, that we talk about the gap every week, you know, Steve and I off air, we said to each other, well, are we going to talk about something different this week? We're going to come back to the same points. I think we do lay the same points because until we have mental issues in the school, you know, gear young people up for the real issues, then I think we'll always talk about the, uh, the gap between education and the workplace. I mean, the friendships, I just quickly from my my perspective i wish i i had done an apprenticeship i think i was geared up to do an apprenticeship but i think that you know in, in 1998 when i was starting university it was the the system of friendships after the people that can't make university haven't got the grades to go to university i wasn't university material no way but i still went to university and i think you know me hand on heart i went to university because i i was work shy at the time i didn't want to start work i wanted to go and have four years i did a four-year course at manchester university uh because i wanted the social life and then i stopped you know and then i finished university i fell into the trap where i couldn't i couldn't get a job there was no job for me and then i uh, i did a little bit of traveling got into debt and then i went to sheffield university do another year of university and again, probably should not have done that either. Uh, but because there wasn't the vast range of apprenticeships, I mean, I've just been Googling just while you, yourself and Steve have been talking. Apprenticeships skyrocketed. There was two. There was over two hundred thousand starts in the past year, uh, of which pretty much fifty percent were were boys and fifty percent were girls and male, males and females because there's no age limit on an apprenticeship. That's increased by fifty percent over the last five years. So we are doing something right. There's more and more apprenticeships on offer. And also, uh, research tells me that there's now apprenticeships in 500 different industries. So that means that industry leaders are getting savvy as well because they're seeing a gap and they're going, well, I tell you what, you know, I've got a, you know, I, I imagine a lot of those are in, in digital, are in software, are in app design, are in robotics, are in the, the skills of tomorrow get young people through but do we are we promoting those at school do you know it's the math teacher that is still flogging pythagoras talking about the 500 opportunities in apprenticeships and are we aligning young people with them i doubt it i doubt it but i, I it's good that the numbers are increasing the starts are increasing the number of opportunities are increasing but I don't know, maybe somebody else tell me, there's 200,000 200, young people starting apprenticeships in a 12-month period. How many are starting university and potentially going down the wrong path only to end up without a job and in debt after four years like I did? It's, a, it's sad. Yeah, it? I love that. Yeah, I mean, Charles, you know, when you listen to Matthew made some great points there, you know, uh, at the time he was going to university, the government's pushing this, education, education, education agenda, uh, trying to get young people to go into university. Apprenticeships weren't even thought about or considered. Now businesses are a lot more savvy. They're looking at taking young people on as apprentices. And young people savvy to that as well because they get the best of both worlds. You know, you get your 
qualifications, but you also get that jab that you've always wanted. So things are changing in that perspective. But, you know, again, it comes back to this same point that, you know, Matthew and Steve made that, you know, we keep mentioning this each week, our school's catching up. You know, I remember speaking to some students and uh, the teacher's saying to me, oh, don't bother with that one. Uh, just talk to them about apprenticeships. They're not, they're not going to be doing well with their GCSEs. You know, focus on A levels with the other ones, and I was thinking, no, that's not right. It's not fair. You can't, you, you can't really? push students to do, uh, to to go into an apprenticeships just because yeah, they're expected to get low grades, and the students who are expected to get high grades should go on to do A levels. In fact, I found now that a lot of students who want to, who are expected to do really well on their GCSEs, want to do apprenticeships. What can we do, Charles, on that end in terms of convincing schools to change that narrative, to, to change their way of thinking? Yeah, One thing I believe that a lot of uh, young people, one thing that young people have now that I feel I probably didn't have when I was, say, 16, um, young people have and they want agency over their own life a lot more. And one thing I notice now, I've, I meet so many apprentices who have dropped out of either a levels or university but the idea of dropping out when you know all, all my friends who went to sixth form finished sixth form all my friends who went to university finished university now i hear dozens and dozens like I, you know probably more than half of the apprentices apprentices i have in, in the digital kind of sphere more than half have tried sixth form or tried university and left do you know what I mean? They've got part way and they've given up on it. They've actually they've dropped out. They felt empowered that they could make that decision and drop out. And I feel like a lot of people there, you know, kind of coerced or convinced or kind of sold this weird dream of the A-levels and the university and this sort of stuff. And, you know, they give it, it's almost like they're pressured into it. And I think when you're very young, you can feel more easily pressured. But as you hit 17, 18, 19, you, you know, people are more confident than their own agency and they do choose to drop out. And I think if people were given that, you know, if people, if young people were given the respect to make their own choice, you know, and not the kind of, you know, like, you know, I want to say back in my day, you know, your dad or someone would say, oh, wait, best to get a trade under your belt, son, just in case, something to fall back on. Do you know what I mean? And it was almost like that lack of confidence um, that people would have in you. And I think now that there is a lot less of this, you know, get yourself a trade just in case people, you know, parents are more, parents are a better parents, society's a better society, safeguarding exists. And I think that people are more empowered to make their own choices. Uh, and perhaps some career advisors and teachers need to need to catch up with that and actually trust a learner or trust a young person and say, well, to be honest, I want to do this really niche kind of, you know, like subsoil robotic, you know, agricultural monstrosity. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes they don't know what the dream is, but they can almost do with that empowerment to choose or to make a, a more, um, make a more like guided choice, or that's the wrong words, an inspired choice rather than just, oh, I'll get a bit of this and that'll sort you out. Maybe you'll find something, something a bit more informed. So that the you know the, the the choices aren't a case of well if you're stupid you do this if you're smart you do this this one will give you the most options do this thing gives you the most options people don't want to have the most options they want to have the thing that's going to make them happy and the world there are more I mean there are more jobs there are more vacancies than there are people looking for jobs right now do you know what I mean there is more work out there than there's ever been and you think with all this automation all this machinery and technology surely the robots should have taken over but they haven't 
there's more work, there's more opportunity, there's more niche fields. Like in, I mean, I, I do a lot of digital marketing stuff and digital marketing five years ago, it was either social media or it was something to do with websites. Now there's like, you know, all manner of niche advertising. You, there's now like niches in advertising on Amazon alone. Do you know what I mean? There is all sorts of like niche fields in every single field. Same with like aircrafts. Do you know what I mean? People want to be a pilot. You know, there's a, a flying an A380 is very different to flying a Cessna. Do you know what I mean? There, there are so many different fields. You go down the army. You don't just join the army and you either infantry or you drive a truck or drive a tank. You go in the army and then there are things like, you know, kind of um, like all these different manners of like medic different manners of of you know there's a divisions in the army which build bridges in like ultra fast you know like right right here right now there are people who have to kind of you know manage the computers on a Eurofighter uh, because if they don't have the computers set right they'll just fall out the sky do you know what I mean there are people who deal with kind of radar programming and all sorts do you know what I mean the world has never had so much opportunity and yet a teacher says well if you get yourself a biology thing that'll open up a you know, maybe you could be a dental nurse or you could be a vet or do you know what I mean? It's like it's too broad. Does that make sense? And so I think people are dropping out because things seem so uninspiring and they seem too broad and they seem too basic and they seem like a fallback option. I think people don't want to fall back. They want to live the life now. They want something good now. They want to get that career that, you know, they want to try the career now. And there's nothing wrong with dropping out as well. I know a lot of apprentices will do an apprenticeship for a couple of years, go down the field and then go, do you know what? digital marketing not for me i don't like reporting you know i want to be you know a cameraman or i want to go into sales because i've realized how much commission is and stuff like that um people want that kind of they want to know that it's okay to drop out and they want to know what their options are that, that they could specialize or that they could change or that a career doesn't have to be one set path that it can you know snake left and right and go down different directions and yeah the idea of a teacher saying oh well you know, Jesus was a carpenter. You'll be a carpenter for life. Do you know what I mean? Those days are gone. Do you know what I mean? No one's got a job for life. People will change career probably every two years. And that's okay. So what's going to set them up? In, what can they do at school? It's going to set them up to be able to keep moving and changing careers. Maths. Uh, and what's going, to, uh, what's going to enable them to make an informed decision about what different careers would actually work for them that they could actually be interested in. You know, if they're going to go into computing, are they do they, are they a technical person or do they want to talk to people? Do you know what I mean? Those sorts of things like, you know, there's more dimensions to, to people's choices now than there's ever been. That's rant number two. Um, what do you reckon? Wherever missed? I feel like I've missed something. I feel that's half half an answer. And I've missed something. Steve, do you want to jump in on that? Yeah, I just triggered in my thought process is that, you know, that that's that. that that notion that you must know what you want to do before you leave school or you must get these qualifications. And if you don't, there could be, you know, that you could struggle really badly. And actually, I don't think the reality is that. I think the reality is, is that if you do struggle with your qualifications and you're not quite sure what you want to do when you leave school, there's still educational learning environments where you can jump onto and follow a pathway to the career that you want to do. So, yes, you may have to start and do two extra years learning because you have to go on to a level one course because you start, you know, you haven't got the uh, the requirements on to get onto a level three course yet. But that makes sense. You're not quite ready to get onto level three. So we're starting you at level one. We're going to start you off with the basic learning of this particular field before you go to level two. And then from level two, you go to level three. So it just makes complete sense. So I don't know. I think from my point of view is, is that I'll give you an example. My uh, one of my sons, we had a letter through the post, we got parents feeding cut up and then we had this letter saying that uh, my son had been put into uh, a special meeting because of his uh, his maths. 
right? And I'm like, what? So I'm my son's quite like lazy but gifted at maths. So he's in top set and he doesn't try. He's just lucky. Just gets maths. Just gets it. Uh, where I didn't. So I'm like, what's he gone from set? The letters like I was thinking, oh my god, he's gone from set one down to set four. Billy, what have you been playing at like? So we got the meeting. All it was was it. He was near the top of, in his class. He was near the top, and now he's just below average in that in set one. I'm like, what does that mean then? Oh, he can still get A's. He's, 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 he, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And it's like, what? All right, thanks for warning him. The son, you know, he's still going to do pretty well. He just needs to book his ideas up, you know. So, what I'm trying to get to at this point is, is that actually, I sometimes worry where the, and again, it's not pointing the finger at any one particular group, but. I sometimes think the emphasis is isn't on the student, it's about on the organisation, how the organisation performs. So the schools, league tables, they'll argue differently and people will be screaming down this, how dare you say that? But, you know, I just imagine, you might not tell me more because I'm, I'm, you know, I can just imagine there's a, a board on the wall of year 11 students and they're in three categories. They're going to pass and get us the A's and B's and C's that we need. There's a there's a group in the middle that we can, we think we can get them to a to, to see and above from this group here that they're really struggling and we need to do something with in case they're neat they're not you know the destinations aren't good and it always worries me is is that is the emphasis on making sure the school is not seen in a negative light because these kids didn't meet these fake line in the sand that the you know five GCSEs above or a destined particular destination is you've done well in life or you've done well in school or it's a need on the individual kid. And there's as much emphasis thinking, what can we actually do with the student to help them get where they need to be? And I just, I don't know. I, I Again, it's, it, I don't want to criticise because it's such a big thing to criticise. I just kind of think to myself, what is the solution to help an individual student rather than helping the whole organisation uh, look in, you know, like they, they've done the best they can? Is it more about the student looking like they've done the best they can and understanding that, you know, you weren't ready, you, were, you weren't mature enough, or you didn't quite understand what you wanted to do, don't worry. Don't worry. You're going to leave our system and go into another system that's going to make sure that there's something there. Whatever pathway you want to follow, there's no reason why somebody who doesn't do very well at school can't go on then to be, you know, uh, a scientist, a pilot. You know, you can leave school. It's not optimal. I get it. And, 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 and you know, when it comes to resilience, students should, at the end of the day, tough. You're in the school system. Get your head down. Behave attend life skills and 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 work your way through classes now some students can't do that and perhaps we do need to talk the way that we do it so yeah i, I don't know but I, that's what charles just triggered in my head matthew uh, what's your thoughts on that well i'd never argue with stephen amos you know that so uh yeah whatever he said <laughs> uh yeah, we, listen, we, 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 we're not here to chastise or to have a pop at the education. I believe in, I believe in schools. I believe in education. I think it needs to be tweaked. We're, we're huge advocates for apprenticeships and we're huge advocates for work experience opportunities and we're huge advocates for bridging the gap. Uh, you know, I personally speak about all those uh, in the media at the moment, all the young entrepreneurs all the young ceos that are operating at such a high level at the moment they have one thing in common they generally fell out of school fell out of love with school early 
they had their own path, their own vision, and were self-taught. Because we, we, there is a culture of, if you don't know, ask the internet, rather than if you don't know, ask your school teacher. And they will do this, and the answers are generally there for them. And I think that uh, even passing your exams these days, I know that if you look at the, uh, the Google Analytics around April, May time, there is a trend of questions being asked of Google. How do I get an A grade in dot dot subject? So we, we, we gear young people up to, uh, you know, not, not necessarily trying to cheat the way, but they are being savvy with the information that they've got. And I think that it's never been easier to create a pathway for, you, for yourself. But it's weird to say, system makes it easier. It's weird to say about that, about Googling, you know, like, how do you pass XYZ exam? I've literally just, like, a couple of months ago, just done a thing about how to get a distinction on your apprenticeship. Because people ask yeah. the same question all the time. And so we thought, you know, why not? We'll look at all the feedback, we'll look what people go, and we'll put it out there. And people are much more ready to go out and Google it and get a quick listicle answer than put the time into perhaps actually, you know, getting the distinction in the first place. But it's yeah, interesting that's... you say that. It's like a lazy culture. It is, and that, that, that's wrong as well. So it's kind of these, it's a counterculture to what schools are trying to do. So schools will try and, and teach you the, the fundamentals and logic behind it, but not in the right but not in the right subject and not the, the subject matter is not leading them into the job that they want. So to avoid young people getting these qualifications that will, will give them nothing and they didn't even learn the theory, they've learned the quick fix how to get to how to pass. Yeah, and I think really interesting, take a look at the analytics. You know, the time of year when young people are taking examinations, it's like, well, if, we, if we've been, if they've wasted five years studying these examinations, only studying the methodology to pass it, then teachers, let's let's redesign the curriculum. That's a separate argument. Let's redesign the curriculum to make sure that you know then they enjoy what they're doing because they're on a pathway that is bespoke to them. Uh, but yeah, I I think that if we look at all the bright minds at the moment, you know they are they 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 really need to come back into schools and and talk to uh, talk to the powers that be, talk to the Department of Education. And support them in mapping out the curriculum, yeah. modernising it uh, to ensure that all these uh, all these young people that should not be going to university, including myself, are actually on the right path in an apprenticeship because they've had big organisations, small organisations, medium-sized organisations, whatever, coming into the school on a regular basis, talking to students about various careers. There's a, there's a flip side to that as well actually uh, we we talk about vocational but they're actually if you think about the socio-economic impact of young people and, and what goes on in their own lives and their starting points are there's actually some students that are struggling with lots going on in school and at home and you know haven't had the start that we have perhaps all have had that actually would benefit from going to university so it, it is a mirrored edge and actually it is very complex for school to manage they're not they're not a social worker team you know, they it is it is an educational learning environment, and 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 going back to that mirror image of that, if we want them to treat students individually, 
that's a complex learning environment then to build. So, you know, I am, I am supportive of the school system as well. It's not a very simple fix at all. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely some students that would benefit from going to university that won't. And, and fair or not fair, at the minute, they're not going to get into university because they haven't got the qualifications they've got when they leave school. But as I said, there's no reason why they can't go to university later in their teenage years because they've gone and done something else. Well, I wonder on the back of that. Sorry, Carl. Does the responsibility lie then with the parents or with the state? Well, if they've got a parent, Amos, that's the issue, isn't it? These some yeah. some people have got very challenging lives. So you know, the last thing on their mind. You got to remember, you know, these young people. Uh, we don't know what they're dealing with, and actually, just getting through the day, finding food, and so you know. I'm not saying it's impossible um, for the school to, and there's some very good schools out there. They default then to becoming a social service then because they supported the student while they're in school to make sure they've had something to eat. And then obviously it's 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 a minority group of students that it affects. But actually, um, you know, if 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 education or career is third or fourth or fifth or not even on your agenda at the minute because you've got so much going on. Then yeah, it's it is it is it is complex, extremely complex. If you look just quickly on that point there, if you look at the feedback that we receive as an organisation from employers following a stint of work experience, ninety-nine point nine percent of the feedback is exemplary, absolutely exemplary. The employers are feeding back to say that this child performed brilliantly well on placement. You pass that to the school, the school looks at it and thinks, that's not the child that I know. That child in school doesn't attend, is disinterested, and will amount to nothing. I've heard that so many times. Teachers have told students, you will amount to nothing. But yet, the employer, and they've had that young person for one week on work placement, is feeding back, we'll say, exemplary. Attitude shown, motivated, really want to be here, problem solve this, problem solve this part of the business. Again, this is the same person, two contrasting opinions. I think just a, my fix is to bring more and more, and the, and, the, and the employment world is actually screaming out to say, I'm happy to support, just tell me how. I'm happy to support, tell me how. And I don't know whether it's the state putting up blocks, or well, in fact, it must be, because I speak to probably, I speak to the state just as much as I speak to uh, private business and I hear private businesses saying I want to help I want to take on apprentices I want to come into school and talk we have thousands of emails every year coming into our business saying can you tell me where my local can you tell me how to get in touch with my local school how to get in touch I'd like to go in and do a talk on digital marketing on apprenticeships in that in that field on, on engineering I want to go and talk to them so I don't think it's a lack of want. Everybody wants to give back, especially you know business owners of today who recognise what it was like to be a young person. Somebody gave them a, their first step into the world. So we know that people want to give back. So why is it not happening to the level? Why every? If I was a school leader today, every assembly, if I had an assembly spot every single week. One thing that I would do, I would bring a business leader in every single week. And see if I've got, 50, I've got 39 weeks of the year, that gives me an opportunity to showcase 39 different industries. And you could easily fill 39 guest speaker spots. And all it does every week, it just goes, it just brings out so much creativity. Ah, 
that's a career for me. Next week, I've got a talk on, on a different career. But what, what, what's the assembly time being used for? Is it, is it, is it, I don't know, are they singing hymns? I don't know. I think there is a systemic thing that the um, that you know that we can offer with this as well. I think there is a you know there's a business principle is uh, what gets measured gets managed, and in schools they have they they measure what they can measure, and currently they're told to measure outcomes, grades, you know, the progression at the end. Do you know what I mean? They're told they've got a, they have got like a list of things that they that they measure that they kind of uh, work off. They've got these numbers to crunch, and so. Like if I think about apprenticeships, if I look at say a digital marketing apprenticeship, you know, a com you know companies that uh, we work with, they look at how many distinctions they got in digital marketing, and that's lovely. That gives you a nice holistic number. You can say we're a good company. We got all these distinctions. You know, got all these pass rates, low withdrawal rates, all those sorts of standard numbers and stuff like that. But I think there's more to it. If I look at my, you know, the best apprentices I've had. So if I look at them just the last like you know three or four years or so, the best percent apprentices I've got through have been passes. They've not been distinctions, they've been passes because the journey for them was such a big journey. You know, there was one uh, one gentleman I worked with, he was autistic, he really struggled. He's uh it, it was it was a difficult job. He but he pulled it back, he worked through his job and he didn't hit all the distinction criteria for the apprenticeship, but he passed the apprenticeship criteria. And not only that, he actually made himself a job in a company. He gave he, he created value for himself. He um they had this kind of like intranet system that he just wrapped his head around and the company was struggling with it. It's a problem the company had, they had no one to solve it. And he wrapped his head around it and he solved that problem. He passed his apprenticeship. It wasn't a distinction, it was a pass, but he solved the problem for that company. And he's got a job, he could be set for life if he wanted to in that job, solving that problem. He could solve that problem for other companies elsewhere. He's done something unique. And that's a one-off story that you won't necessarily measure. So if we change, you know, we're talking about changing education, right? You know, so if we change the way that we measure, we don't just base our things on our outcomes, our average outcomes, our average grades and stuff like that. But if we could measure it in a different way in terms of, say, motivation, in terms of like, you know, the actual learner's purpose. And I think it goes back to respecting the learner, respecting the actual, you know, the, the, the apprentice or respecting the, you know, the pupil in a school and saying, all right, you know, it's day one of year nine or whatever, or day one of year 10 when you've just chosen your options with GCSE, you know, and ask them the question, how do you feel about the future? How do you feel about your life? How do you feel motivated to come into school? Like, you know, let's not forget there's, you know, there's problems at home, but there was problems at school too. Do you know what I mean? I went to a school that was, children treated each other horrendously. I didn't want to go into school because somebody set fire to my hair once. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, all sorts of horrible stuff happens that nobody will really talk about. Um, but, you know, why don't we ask the learner, you know, how do I feel about life right now? How do I feel about work? How do I feel about future? How do I feel about my future prospects? Do you know what I mean? And if we measured how an individual felt about their own aspirations, because it starts with aspiration. When I left school, I didn't know what jobs were. I was taught aspirations in my apprenticeship. Um, but if at school I was taught, well, do you know what? There is this that you can reach for. You know, you don't have to, you know, be a bin man. Do you know what I mean? If you know you could potentially, even without a degree, you could still be earning a what I'm going to call a metric crap ton of money as the boss of a company. Because look at all these people who've done that. You know, if we looked, if we looked at measuring aspirations, measuring you know uh, prospects, measuring levels of motivation, measuring how people feel, looking at all those personal measures and saying, okay, from day one of year ten, this is how I feel about all this. When I leave year eleven, this is how I feel about that. And imagine if a school was held accountable how a learner feels about their prospects imagine if they entered year 10 
with the world being like, yeah, I can't wait to get out of school and like live my life, live my best life. And they got to the end of year 11. It's like, I got all these GCSEs, but I think the world's going to end and I'm doomed. I'm crippled with anxiety and depression. Like the, there's no jobs for me. I can't afford university. I've been pressured by my teachers to do this. I've been pressured by my parents to do that. Imagine if a school was measured on that front. The conversation that there would be the Ofsted would be having with them if they felt that they'd actually caused harm to a child, like it would be a different education system altogether, wouldn't it? And I think that it's if if you're going to hold the school to account, you have to have a metric to measure by. And I think the you know only an individual knows what's best for them, right? And I'm not being the metric. The metric kind of makes sense as well because if you've got a, he's going to hit my car. Sorry, sorry, I mean the car is always reversing. It's like, yeah. oh my god, I'm actually getting hit the car. If you've got a measure um, from the point of view of, and you said those additional markers such as, are we letting this person go and we're confident they've got their employability skills? Are we confident they understand what life skills are? Do we know they understand what social skills are? And there's a marker on that, and it's actually, as well as uh, general qualifications, that also there is a marker to tick on the way out. Then there's a benchmark there. There's, a, there's a, um, the foundations for that young person to build upon. Um, I don't know if that, if, if that make, is that where you were going as well, Charles? Is that, that's in my head yeah. where you're taking me. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be, you know, like this thing. I entered I entered high school, the different person who I left high school. I entered as a better person than I left. Do you know what I mean? For me, school caused me harm. Um, and that's never going to get acknowledged in any forum if because there was no marker for it, do you know what I mean? But if you had that kind of benchmark, you know, I, you only need to show improvement and you've done something good, right? I've I've worked in when I was working in school health, I've worked in several high schools and they're all quite academic. But one thing I can say and and, and, and a positive is is that they work really hard on their pastoral care for those students that are struggling, but they don't get recognised for it. And I find it really sad is that when uh, I, I was in one particular school is, is that they've transformed students' lives who, um, away from the qualification aspect, they've transformed the lives and made it easy for that student to make a transition from education, but they weren't recognised for it. And then they were berated because that kid didn't get a GCSE, C and above. And that, that world can't continue because the school is working hard. And it is helping those young people that are struggling. So, yeah, it, 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 it's not, I don't think it is down to school. I think, I think all schools in the country have got a great pastoral team. They've got a great uh, support network for students that generally want to get that support. Uh, they're also not, they're also not a, uh, as I said, a prison service. You know, if a student doesn't want to be in school and is kicking off and being abusive, then they shouldn't be there. But then I also read 2023, schools aren't allowed to exclude students. It's like, what? Uh, How does that work? If somebody physically doesn't want to be there and it's been abusive and violent, I don't know. But I think generally, I, I, I'm very much for the fact is, is that actually I think this is, and the schools have already got an infrastructure in place for those additional markers. I think it just needs to be recognised. Yeah, and, uh, sure. Yeah. If you were recognised for it, you'd work harder on it. It's it, right. you know, anything, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I had a little fitness watch, do you know what I mean? And when I can actually see myself losing a bit of weight and being able to go with there a bit faster or whatever, I'd, I'd do it more, do you know what I mean? And it's, but if you don't measure it, you know, you're just hoping that somebody will just out of the goodness of the heart, you know, do that job. I think, yeah, yeah. And I know as many bad schools as I know as many good schools. So I'm kind of mixed on that. Like, 
you know, I don't want to slag off all schools. There are some amazing teachers out there and some teachers, you know, they do wonderful things for their learners, but also equally, I know some people that shouldn't be allowed near a classroom and, you know, schools that have got a grade one at Ofsted that should be shut down tomorrow. So it's well, a exam, weird universe. The exam is really simple, isn't it? Because you, you spend from year seven to year 10, uh, a period of alternative learning and teaching students about these careers, uh, industry, employability skills, and then what's the exam? Well, the exam is going to work experience because you're going to get an employer to tell the school if that student has got employability skills. You know, you prepared them, you've ready, and then your actually test is actually doing on work placement. And then the, the, then the employer feeds back and says, as, a, um, as an external uh, person, this is what I'm telling you how the student was. And then when they and then the school then in year ten has still got a year or three years. If a student is struggling with those life skills, social skills, and employability skills, where they've got feedback, they can then help those students improve those skills. And if the student's already got those skills, congratulations, you passed. One tick in the box. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think it is as complicated as you think it is. So I think the infrastructure is already there. Yeah. I'm just I am bitter. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah, no, not really. Not really. <laughs> yeah, sorry for your experiences. I mean, uh, obviously, school wasn't the best experience for you, but you know, as uh, Steve said, there are some good skills out there that are really making an effort. And um, you know, to those skills, we have to celebrate them for the good work that they're doing. Matthew, what's your closing statement for today's podcast? Uh... Wow, we've we've I mean we've covered so much yet again in this podcast. Uh, you know, thanks Charles for coming on because I think what Charles, what you should be doing, Charles, is going into schools and delivering this this story. You know, it's a great a great story because I think if I'm a disillusioned young person at a school now, having a hard time, don't know where my future lies, not enjoying being in the classroom. They need to they need to hear stories like this and we try it we you know we we, we we put out a lot of content don't we amos you know and i think a lot of young people if young people would watch the videos that we've put out there over the past 12 to 18 months they would definitely feel uh, a bit more motivated enlightened you know they're not the wrong they're not the only person to feel this way they're seeing people who have made a, a fantastic success of themselves and uh, the, the line wasn't a straight line. It wasn't. It wasn't A to B. It was A to F to G, then back to back to B again. So the the line doesn't have to be a straight line. But I think they need some inspiration along the way to uh, to know that they can make as many mistakes as possible and, and get back. So, Charles, yeah, I haven't really got anything else to add. I think everything's been covered. But I'd like to thank you for your time. And I think that uh, yeah, you've definitely got. If you're not doing it anyway, you've got a future career. And going to schools and uh, and setting up a little a little network and talking to students directly about your career journey. Hey, why not? Cheers, eh? <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Steve, uh, what's your closing statements uh, for today's podcast? Yeah, Beckway, Matt. Thanks, Charles, for coming on. You've triggered some again. Always useful, selfishly for me as well, because it triggers some uh, trig- triggers my internal thinking and makes me a bit more critical and a bit more. Um, pragmatic and reflective of my thought processes and actually helps me step back and if anyone's listening i hope all our all of us four of us is just we, do, we don't all think we're right we just offer an opinion and if anyone is listening 
if you agree with us or don't, I hope it just gives you the opportunity to step back and consider what we've said uh, and, and, and take away that hopefully something that will help uh, you with supporting young people. So thank you, Charles. I'm sure we'll, I definitely want you to come back because I think we could have gone on for another couple of hours, to be honest with you. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> well, there thank you me. are, Charles. You've heard, uh, you know, uh, we need you back again sometime soon. Uh, so what's, how would you like to sum up for us today, Charles? Well, do you know what? Let's sum up with, I'm going to say thank you to Mr. Phillips, right? So in year 10, he taught woodwork and he said, um, I did this uh, strange windmill thing. And he said, oh, how'd you get that thing running so smooth? I said, oh, I sanded it. And it's like, wow, you've actually sanded that thing and got it running dead smooth. That's, that's pretty good, that is. That was it. But it's a compliment that sticks and it's the little things that make the difference, aren't they? And like as a human being, like a little tiny attention to detail for that one young child, that's come up in loads and loads of other situations. You know, I'm 34 now and there's loads of weird things in my house that run really smoothly based on that little bit of feedback on making that one thing run smoothly. And, you know, there's loads of things that, uh, you know, that, yeah, there's loads of things that schools have that don't get recognised you know, loads of things that they do, loads of things that individuals do that don't get recognised. And so it's a thank you to Mr. Phillips who who said that to me. And thank you to all the other Mr. Phillipses out there who pick out those specific individual things to compliment a learner on that are true. They're not just a fluffy thing. They're a true thing because that lasts forever. And it's an absolutely marvellous thing. And if we can measure that and if we can make that, a, if we can recognise that in all our teachers and the fact that they all do something like that, what a wonderful world we live in. Peace. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Um, and how can we connect with you? How can the audience uh, reach out to you? Sure. I'm a, I'm a, I love the old LinkedIn. Yeah. Get me on LinkedIn. Talk to me. You know, um, I, I forgot what my thing is, but yeah, Charles Booth on LinkedIn. I'm the one who looks really, really handsome and occasionally like rants and raves about something that's uh, a bit shocking. Um, talk to me, message me. I've also got a website, be the um, which is uh, more for teachers, but why not? It's a uh, particularly if you're going online for the first time and you just want to try something out and you want to experiment with something weird. I've got a fantastic collection of strange experimental digital toys that can make a uh, yeah, make teaching online a bit more tolerable and, uh, you know, actually keep people engaged uh, for you and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, please talk to me. Like, I love talking more than anything else. Talk to me. Let's, let you know, like bounce ideas off me, whatever it is. Just, I, I, I just need friends and I need you guys to talk to me. So, you know, let's uh, keep, keep sh you know, sharing the love, hey? Charles, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here today. And, you know, as Matthew said, you are an absolute inspiration. And as Steve said, you know, we could sit here and talk for hours because, you know, you've got so much to offer. And uh, again, you know, we do hope to have you here again soon. Again, you can check out the website, which is bethemost.co.uk. I appreciate you coming on the show. And you can connect with us as well, the Change in Education Group. Check out our website, changingeducation.co.uk. Send us an email, info at changingeducation.co.uk. From Charles, from Steve, from Matthew, I've been Amos Madrid. Until next time, take care. Bye bye.